Welcome, welcome. This is Talking to the Internet. Today, it's my privilege to have Brad Dowdy on the show. Brad is a blogger at penaddict.com, podcaster of The Pen Addict on the Relay FM network. He's a co-founder of Knockco and Spoke Design, and he's a partner at Twitch via The Pen Addict. So Brad, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Corey. Thanks for having me. So Brad, I have never listened to the Pen Addict. Mm-hmm. Like, is that, is it, what a what a great way to start a show, <laughs> right? Like, so I've never listened to the Pen Addict, and I'll tell you why. It has nothing to do with you or Mike or anything like that. It's just I. That's not my subject area. Yeah. So what I want the listener to know is. I like stories about people and I bring people onto the show because I like the stories to hear their story. I don't have to love their, I don't have to love their show or even even listen to the show. So Brad, I don't know if that's a great way to start the show or not, <laughs> but here we, here we are. Um, this is about you, right? Mm-hmm. So we want to hear, we want to hear your story. So, you know, what do you, what got you started with talking to the internet and talking is the most general way that you can think about it? Yeah. I, uh, to let you off the hook completely, most people, uh, haven't listened to our show so you're you're in good company there I, and i totally get this like there's really a podcast about pens like that is a thing you you really do it's what i love about podcasting yeah it's what i love about podcasting but it's like the best part to talk to someone like you because you know maybe we'll explore things that like i don't normally talk about <laughs> yeah but like i i actually started talking to the internet i had to, i looked it up today um in a non-pen or stationary capacity. In 2003, I wrote about baseball on the internet. I am a passionate baseball fan to this day. My favorite team is the Atlanta Braves, uh, your current World Series champions. Thank you very much. <laughs> and I started, and it, it's kind of applicable to to what I end up doing with the pen stuff. Later, I started writing a Braves blog online, mostly focused on the minor leagues because I could not find that information easily on my own. So this was like mm-hmm. 2003, you know, the internet's, you know, we got a, even back then, you know, we got lots of stuff, you know, at our, at our fingertips back there, but I wasn't getting exactly what I wanted. So I went out to like learn about these things for myself and educate myself about, Hey, the Braves minor league system. I want to know who the future Braves players are going to be down the line. And I figured, well, if I'm putting in this work to educate myself, maybe I'll write some of it down and share it online. And maybe, you know, one other person's interested in that too. And like that was 2003. And I did that for a couple of years and I just kind of liked it. That's kind of what got me going to share things right on, on the internet. And that transformed into pens in 2007. I started the pen Attic blog, uh, which is, was November 29th, 2007. So we just crossed over 14 years of talking about pens on the internet I assume you have an interest in you had an interest in baseball. Yeah. There wasn't the thing that you were in, that you wanted to find on the internet, so you made it. Right. I assume you have this. You have an interest in pens. Yes. And you have pens at this point, like physical in your hand mm-hmm. pens, right? Yeah. So I've always been just obsessive about my writing tools before you know even think about writing it on the internet or doing a blog called the Pen Addict or any of that stuff, right? Like I always cared what I write about. I was the student or you know classmate who always had the interesting writing instrument. I cared about writing small, right? I liked tiny handwriting. You know, I like okay. like the architecture and engineering style handwriting because I, I print and I have a block print style. So I was always on the search for something to make my tiny handwriting look better. And back when I was in school and in high school, and you just can't go into an office supply store or a grocery store and find that perfect thing for the way I wanted to write. You know, it was just, you know, your generic Bix and, you know, rollerball pens and things like that. So... 
later in life, I, I started an, an IT job and I got sent uh, out of town for training and being the introverted stationary person that I am at nighttime, instead of like going out to dinner, I went to the local office max <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and Lo and behold, I stumbled on a pin in a 0.38 millimeter tip size, which for the non-pin people out there, most of most of the pins that you're going to run into just generically at an office or at a school or something like that is around a 0.7 millimeter line width. So, you know, that's a standard, you know, dark, big line. And most stores like your office max will carry those same pins in a 0.5 millimeter. Well, that still wasn't fine enough for me. So I found this 0.38 millimeter and I was like, what is happening? Like my, my brain kind of exploded. And I said, well, if this exists, there has to be more out there. So that's when I, uh, I took to the internet and went on a pin search and discovered Japanese pins and why they have this importance on these micro tip sizes that are not accessible in the U S or not quite the norm in Japan, but are very easily accessible. So that's when I started to do all this research on pens and wanted to share what I found because, again, it goes back to that baseball thing. I wasn't getting what I wanted um, easily. So I decided to hunt down that information myself and I decided to share it. There weren't really many pen or pencil blogs at the time. There were a few, but not really doing the things that I wanted to see when I'm trying to research a new pen, you know, I want to see how it writes. So I did a handwritten review, you know, took a picture, you know, wrote my notes of, of the pen, took a picture, posted it online and just started sharing that stuff. And, you know, 14 years later, here we are. So, so how does it go from, okay, I'm going to put this stuff online, mm -hmm. right. And, and it's, and it's in a blog format at mm -hmm. that point, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so what, what's the difference or what's the time difference between I'm writing on the internet and then, you know, the pen addict shows up as a podcast. Yeah. Like what's, what's the difference between there? It was like four and a half, five years. Like it was, it was a pretty good chunk of time. Yeah. So you've got this, this time difference. So mm -hmm. you start off, what, how did people find it? Like, how did people learn about you? Like, where would you market it? Where would you post it? Did you even care? Or were you just <laughs> doing it for you? And you just kind of went with the flow. How did that work? I, I mean, I was mostly doing it for me. But of course, you like when other people find it and you start mm -hmm. getting traffic. And that's kind of like, oh, yeah, I feel I feel good about myself now. It's like I did a thing and people liked mm -hmm, it. Mm -hmm. And then they shared it with someone else. And oh, they have the same, you know, problems that I do with pens and they want to find more. And oh, there's someone like me who can say 0.38 millimeter gel ink pen out loud and not be looked at funny. <laughs> so you start to build this little community of people. Um, and then, you know, other people start sharing, you know, there's like, oh, this this person has a pen blog, maybe I can do that too. So and then I was always open about like sharing other people's work. And then there's certain like specialty retailers that I would shop from. So I would always like shout them out when, you know, I'd get an order, say from like a company called JetPens. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they would eventually say, hey, well, can we send you some pens to review? It looks, you know, we like what you're doing. And then it's just kind of this, you know, the, the ball gets rolling. And then like a couple years later, you know, after I started the blog, I start to get like regular, you know, people reaching out saying, Hey, I, I enjoy what you're doing. Or I'll get a store reaching out. Hey, can we send you something to look at? And I was like, Oh yeah, people, people like this. Um, something like a podcast was never like even in my mind at the time. Like, again, this is like 2007, 2008 was really kind of when it, when it cranked up and you know, mm -hmm. there's of course podcasts back then. And I started listening to podcasts probably a couple years later, probably more like around 
2010, maybe I started listening to podcasts mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I eventually met Mike in, in a roundabout way, uh, Mike Hurley, um, uh, my podcast partner for a lot of podcast episodes. And, um, it turns out he has a pretty good idea of what to do and it, it worked. And, and I certainly was hesitant at first. Oh, really? That's interesting. Because you're you're almost 500 episodes into into the podcast at this point, aren't you? It's like 490 something. Yeah, we'll be 10 years and 500 episodes in February. So it's going to be the 500th episode is going to be our 10 year anniversary from the day we recorded our first episode. Just like a stroke of luck. So so you're doing weekly with a few a few weeks off every now and then. I would assume. Yep. Based on my quick math. Yep. Exactly. So we don't. We'll normally take a couple of weeks off at the end of the year. This year we're not to hit that exact date. So yeah, we'll do like 50 episodes a year. We might take one or two weeks off at the most per year, but it's it's a weekly show. Now this is this is 100% a ignorant question, right? <laughs> and I'm going to I'm going to call that out there. I innately wouldn't think that you could do a weekly show about pens. Right? Like I, I just wouldn't think there would be enough there. So where do you get the material from? Where do you get the, or is there, is there like, oh, we could do it every day and we could fill, fill that amount of material and Corey, you just have no idea what you're talking about. Like, feel free to correct no. me. I just, it's shocking to me. Yeah. I thought the same in the beginning. Right. So I, I was a guest on an, one of other Mike's uh, shows uh, called Enough. And, you know, his friend, uh, Patrick Rohn asked me, ha- had me on because Patrick was reading my blog at the time. They said, oh, we should get Brad on to talk about pens and paper. And so I did it. Like I just did this guest appearance and Mike, you know, knew very little about this we ended the episode and at the end of the episode just our banter at the end mike said we should do a podcast about pens and i said that's the dumbest idea i've ever heard (laughs) i mean i think that was my literal quote i said like that's a terrible idea (laughs) that makes no sense whatsoever and so like he told me his his idea and i was like i still just I i don't get it so he finally broke me down and i agreed to it i like you were saying i thought i had like maybe 10 episodes in me right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Of things to talk about. But what happens is as you start to get more people to listen, you start learning about all the little particularness that everyone has, right? It's not a very general, broad topic that we're discussing, right? It's a highly specific and personal Mm -hmm, topic. mm -hmm. So we could even talk about the same things every week and reach someone different just from the different ways that they use pens or the different needs that they have for notebooks. And it's turned out to where we're, we couldn't do it every day, but it, weekly is, is turned out to be a really good format because there's usually always enough to talk about where, whether I'm talking about just products and, you know, say a, a big new product launch that I got to test out. How does that go? Um, so the way I've, you know, I might use one type of planner one year and a different type of planner next year. And, you know, why would I make that decision or, you know, me learning about fountain pens, right? I wasn't a fountain pen person when I started the blog and it, it's a running joke that Brad hates fountain pens because that's something I said <laughs> in like episode 10. And now I just have, you know, dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of fountain pens, right? And I'm a huge fountain pen fan now. So, you know, part of it is it's still very educational for me personally to learn about these new products. So in getting to share that with other people, we're, we're never short 
of content, that's for sure. It makes total sense to me, right, that you then move into Twitch, right? You move into a more visual medium. Yeah. Because if you're reviewing these things, you can show them then, you know, like you can show them on the blog, but it's it's static, right? It's almost like right. 2D, right? Like you're working in 2D where I show an image or I show a diagram or something like that. But in Twitch, you know, and in my mind, you're like moving to 3D where you can actually like talk while you're doing the thing. How When did Twitch come into, into play? So... Twitch was just kind of a dalliance that I, I thought this might be a way to share, you know, my my love for pens in a, in a more visual manner that wasn't YouTube, right? Everyone was always talking about make, wanting me to make a YouTube channel, and we can we can uh, talk about that later. There's actually a question mm-hmm. in here that will answer that for you very directly on why I don't really have like a review YouTube channel, but. Uh, Twitch was just an easier format to just like turn it on, go live and talk about a thing. And I didn't know that the the pin thing would work there, but I honestly didn't care that much. Okay. okay. You know, I just wanted, you know, if a few people checked it out and they had questions and I could answer their questions, like you were saying, in more of a show and tell fashion, right? Like I can visually explain like how to clean a fountain pen and we can just like talk through it. And there's so much more context that can be added in a live discussion as opposed to like a flat blog post or an edited video, right? Where we're, it's it's more of a two-way conversation, uh, Q&As, live discussion. And, you know, hey, I could bring on something broken and we could talk about how to fix it. Like we have people with so many such a wide variety of backgrounds in pens and stationery. We get on there and like we fix problems and things like that. So it's just been a really neat way to see the the community grow and share and kind of come together just for a little bit of fun. A few hours every week we get on Twitch. I was on Twitch today. Like I recorded before this recording for like an hour and a half and I li- literally had no plans, right? Some days on Twitch, I'll have like a full schedule. It's like, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to unbox this or we're going to test this out or we're going to sample all these inks today i literally had nothing and we just chatted about pens for an hour and a half and it was great so it's it's been a really good platform for me so is your is your common thread the time like do you do it at a consistent time or do you just have a culture built where you tweet out and you're like i'm gonna be on twitch monday at whatever time and people just show up. No, I started a pretty fixed schedule, probably like in okay. the past year. So like Tuesday and Thursday mornings, 10 a.m. Eastern, and then Wednesday afternoons. Uh, usually, we record the Panatic podcast Wednesday mornings, 10 a.m. Eastern. So I'll just con- I'll just flip the switch and go live after like a, do like a little podcast post show, you know, shorter stream. But I'll go from like on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'll stream between one and two hours, and then on Wednesdays, I usually don't stream much more than an hour. So like we're talking like five hours a week, maybe something like that. Um, sometimes more depending, you know, on what my schedule looks like, but you know, I got a, a lot of, a lot of balls up in the air, just trying to juggle. Yeah. So, uh, but most weeks that's the minimum, right? So every now and then it'll be a little bit more. Yeah. So, so would you consider the creation of, you know, content, right? So mm-hmm. podcasts, blog posts, uh, Twitch stuff, is that your full-time job? Right. It Cause is. you also do, you also do the, the Notco right. and the spoke design. Would you consider the, the media creation your full-time do- job? I consider all of it, right? Okay. It, it's hard to like say one thing is my full-time job. I just say the pen addict is my full-time job. When people ask me like, what do I do? I say, I talk about pens on the internet and that in- also involves making things mm-hmm. with knock and spoke. And, you know, like I have a membership platform on the pen addict and, you know, the Twitch and, and all that stuff. It's just kind of all the pen addict stuff is, is kind of how it is. The, the content creation is not necessarily 
in in my view, different from the making things yeah. part of what I do for a living. So so when you got into all this, right, it doesn't sound like it was a, okay, I'm going to start this media empire around pens, right? And this is what I'm going to do. It more sounds like I'm going to provide a value to people, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's turned into something that, you know, what do you do for a living? I do the pen addict. Right. So how did that happen? What what was your what was your mental process working through mm. that? Yeah, it was never a goal for this to be my job, right? When I started it, I was just having fun, you know, trying to test out new pens and, you know, it was just kind of a slow and steady thing mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. people ended up enjoying what I was doing. I don't take myself too seriously. I have a lot of fun, you know, talking about it. Like I I talk about pens on the internet right this is not a like a news blog or a, a you know a science blog or something like that where it just kind of got a, a more serious bent to it talking about extravagances here you know people spending money on pens and stationery so like why not have fun with it i tried to let my real voice come out and that kind of worked i think and people kind of mm-hmm. latched onto it so i was working my day job and i would like go on my lunch breaks at night and and write blog posts every night just so i would have the content for for all week so like every like lunch break i was always writing the blog and when i wasn't you know at work or had any responsibilities at home i was writing the blog and taking pictures or doing whatever i needed to do and eventually you know, like I said, it just kind of kept slowly growing. I started traveling to pen shows, right? Some vendors would, you know, kind of handle my expenses to come out and work with them at pen shows. And I would get to meet people in person and just kind of kind of natural, natural growth without any plan of it ever becoming my full-time job mm-hmm. until it got to the point, I guess. So I've been, I'll be doing this full-time as my job for six years here in a couple of days, January 1st. Wow, that's great. So like seven or eight years ago before it became my full-time job. You start thinking, I was like, well, you know, what is, what are my advertising revenues like, right? You know, what am I making enough on the pen addict, on the podcast? That At that time I was, I had knock, spoke wasn't a thing yet. So like I'm making a little bit here at some point, is there a way to, to do more and I'm able to do it full-time? And it took me about probably like a good year and a year and a half before making the decision to like really think about it with my wife, you know, because I'm married, have a family, had a really good stable job I'd been at for 15 years. It was not an easy decision to just like make this really drastic change. But, you know, we crunched the numbers for a long time until we got to the point and it looks like, huh, I... I think we can make this work. And importantly, I could see that if I did do it full time, I could see a little bit of a growth path that I could, mm-hmm. once I started dedicating, you know, myself to the job of, of the pen addict, could I grow this more and be fine with leaving, you know, my, my stable, you know, IT job. And the answer was yes. And luckily it was the right decision. <laughs> it's, it's, it's yeah, worked. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's worked out. Yeah, it's worked. Like I said, so it'll be six years, January 1st. So um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, no end in sight. I, I really love what I do and I really put a lot into it. The people who follow me and, and support me are just just the best people there are. So I, I'm really, really fortunate to uh, be in the position that I'm in. So let's go back to that thing you you touched on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why Twitch over YouTube? Like what was oh, the... Oh, yeah. Because you, YouTube started... They, they've moved more into live, right? Yeah. So that's happened recently, whereas yeah. probably when you started, Twitch was more the live and YouTube was more the pre-canned, I've edited, blah, 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 blah. So why, yeah, what, what you're thinking there with YouTube? Yeah, you said the magic word. I really hate editing. Like mm, okay. I will do a lot of things. I'll, I'll write thousands and thousands of words and spend all this time. I just, I am really 
don't get enjoyment from audio or video editing. Sorry to your all the podcast creators out there. Mike edits our show, <laughs> <laughs> and I know all all of the um, the really good pen and stationary YouTubers. They do such a good job. You really have to like get into hone your editing chops to like make some good videos. And that was never my thing. That was never a thing I was comfortable with. That was never a thing that I wanted to spend time learning necessarily. And that I would just rather churn out words and pictures and ramble talking on Twitch than edit for, you know, five or eight hours a week. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I consume YouTube content. I love YouTube content. I never actively wanted to make youtube content and and i still don't like that's just not video content's just never been my thing i mean that, it's good to know what works for you and what doesn't mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know a lot of times we get into these situations where it's like i want to do this thing but then there's this middle step and you either realize you don't want to do that middle step and it's enough to stop you from doing the thing right or you got to subcontract that middle step right right get somebody who's good at that middle step and have them do it right right so thanks mike yeah <laughs> <laughs> right um, um, okay, so if you were, and this is a this is a weird one, and I don't want to I don't want to give anything away. If you're gonna make new content about pens, mm -hmm. like if there's somebody out there that's not doing a thing, what would you do? Like, what was what would be Oof. the new content that you say, like, okay, here's the gap in the market, and I'm gonna hit that gap. Boy, that's a good question. I really, maybe this is a cop out answer, but Twitch is non-existent for stationary, and I think it's a really great platform for that. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just do the very basics, right? Like show and tell type stuff. But you could do some real, you know, multi streams, you know, two way streams with yourself, like more of an interview type situation mm -hmm. or a creative type of situation with other makers. And, you know, in, in our business, we always, we, I've noticed that most of the people in the stationary hobby really like to know the people behind the scenes for, all the places that they're spending money, right? Yeah, yeah. People people like that. So anytime I get more interview content or more behind the scenes content as opposed to pen review content, I'm always for that. You know, admitting that I'm lacking in creating that stuff myself. So that's something that I talk about working on. So, you know, as far as platforms or social media tools, I, I think those are all pretty well covered. Like, I know TikTok has is, is gotten to be very popular for stationary. I think that's a good platform. I don't really use it just because I, I, I have limitations on my time. I haven't seen that a, a need for that yet. But mm -hmm. I, I think I think Twitch, we're like at 1% effectiveness for stationary Twitch. There's a group of us out there and there's a lot of people that share, you know, bullet journaling and creative stuff. And I just think it's kind of ripe for more exploration in the stationary space. So I, I keep talking it up. I keep enjoying it. And I also understand at the same time, it is not mature yeah. growth wise at all. I don't mean like the content. I mean, I'm completely immature, but <laughs> it is not the matured of the usageness or the usefulness of Twitch as a stationary platform. I think we will continue to see growth. You know, like one of the things I love about the internet in general is you can have things that are very niche. Mm -hmm. And they they blow up, right? They go crazy. And then you mm -hmm. can have things that are very general and they do really well, right? You know, and you look at content that's made and, and you see both sides being successful. So you're you're in that that niche space. Mm -hmm. What's been the most interesting, challenging, hardest part of creating in a niche category? That's an interesting question. The one piece of advice I give, 
I guess is maybe the best way for me to answer when people come to me say, hey, I want to start a pen blog or whatever they want to start a YouTube channel, anything like that. Um, the hardest thing for someone to do is to be an individual when they're coming into not a saturated content space, but like a busy one, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There can always be more pen content. And I always tell people that. So people ask me, like, should I do this? There's already a bunch of pen blogs. I'm like, yeah, you should do it because your voice is unique. And I always tell people that that's what I want to hear. Like, don't go in and do this because someone else is doing it. You're doing it because you want to do it. And, you know, your opinions are valid and they're different from mine. And it's worth Worth sharing those thoughts and you know getting that feedback and seeing what people like and seeing how all of that kind of comes together when you're creating things. So like I just really talk about wanting to see people use their own voice and make their own mark and not worry about what other people are doing and mm. have fun doing it and having just like an open, respectful community and a platform. So those types of things are the things I think about, you know, not writing for clicks, right? I, I do things backwards. I always tell people I do things, I've done things backwards. Like I'm not a pro blogger, right? I didn't follow the rules that you're supposed to have, like, you know, the way you create content and write for SEO and make sure you're pushing it on, on, on all the platforms. I just did what felt right. And like, that's okay. Like, you know, if you're, if your goal is to, to start on day one and it's going to be your job, well, you're probably not going to listen to me for advice <laughs> because it's going to take a lot longer. Yeah, 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 yeah. But if you're doing this for fun and you like the community aspects of whatever it is you're talking about or the educational or the sharing aspects of it, just be your be yourself. Put your put your own stamp on things. Don't worry about what other people do or what other people think because you know, your opinion is unique. It's individual to you. And like that was a hard thing for me to to get past in the beginning is, do I make this like very generic? You know, do mm -hmm. I say like, do I just talk about the specs and the technical aspects? Do I put my personality into it? And the personality stuff always won because that's what I enjoy doing the most. Like if this pen is terrible, I'll tell you. If this pen is great, I'll yeah. tell you. And, you know, that takes a while to like get comfortable doing that when you have, you know, the, the online spaces that we're in where you can get feedback and you may not like that feedback, right? So mm -hmm, it, it mm -hmm. puts people in their shells. But I, I just tell people to just really, really let themselves come out when they're writing or sharing online content and, you know, realize why you're doing it. If you're doing it for a job, that's cool. Like I said, if it's day one, it's your job. You have a different focus than, than I do and you're going to do yeah. things a little bit differently and that's okay too. You should do it. We, we can have a different conversation if that's how you want to take this conversation. But, you know, that's what I talk about to people a lot when they're asking me how to get started and like what the, what the hard parts are, what the easy parts are. It, it's simple to say be yourself, but it's really hard to execute. And it's so important too because like okay i find you and i find the pen addict because i'm interested in pens right mm -hmm. so my area of of interest is more like technology right so right. i find technology people for the technology like it pops up through the algorithm mm -hmm. or i heard about it through somebody else but I stay with people because of the people. Right. So they come to you for pens and then they stay with you because they like the way you review pens right. or they like the way you talk about a thing or they like the honesty you, you you use or the style or the jokes or whatever it is. So it's like, that's, yeah, that's a really good point. I really like that a lot. Yeah. And I end up doing that on just weird things like, 
Twitter follows. Like if I'm, I'll follow a bunch of people on Twitter and like I don't take it too seriously. It's almost like an audition, right? <laughs> so like I'll read the content and it's like, oh, do I? Because I, I'm one of the few people that actually really enjoys Twitter because I manage it very <laughs> well. You know, I don't get involved in the nonsense. I manage it yeah. like I follow a lot of stationary people. Yep, yep. So like if there's a bunch of content I want to see and or don't want to see, you know, just unfollow. But you know, you you learn how you know people go about creating things and you figure out, hey, I like this person because they do X or I don't like this person mm-hmm. because they do Y and you just narrow down that focus and, um, you know, fortunately, uh, a bunch of people have stuck around me for a while. So, so are you solo on the blog? No. So I have three writers that I pay that produce one review per week. So my blog schedule's pretty static, I guess. You will we'll do mm-hmm. three reviews a week um, and a couple other random posts, you know, a giveaway post, the podcast release post, a link post, and things like that. I do all of those. And then I have, um, so I'm sorry, we do four reviews a week. So I'll do my own review. And then I have three other writers that do one review per week. So we have like four new reviews per week, plus, you know, just some random other other things. So almost every day, there's something new on there, but it could be, it may not be a review. Okay, so you've got your little team, Mm -hmm. right? You have four people that do the blog. Yep. You and Mike do the Pen Addict, right? So the podcast, I assume Twitch is solo? Solo, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so so you've got all different forms of working with others mm-hmm. around this content, around making things. How do you pick people to work with? How do you stick with people? You know, like knowing like, okay, this is a good fit or, mm, you know, that was okay. <laughs> What's the thought process around working with others to create content? Yeah, that's a good question. I didn't think of it that way. It's just, it, it's like you... The, the answer I want to say is, well, you just kind of know it when you see it, like you end up being around all these people all the time. And it, it's what it's ended up being is community members, mostly, right? Yeah. You, people that are a part of this community that you've built, and you just get to know them over time. And you see some other things that they create, whether they have their own blog, or whether they're on Instagram, and they have like a certain style or a writing style or a certain visual style. Or a certain knack for like covering certain products and you just kind of like all these people are my friends that that write for me right so it's it's weird to say how friendly the stationary community is it's like unfair to all the other communities on (laughs) online because they're so nice and so helpful that i've had very little turnover in the people that write for me like i just hired a new writer because a previous one was going back to school and they had been writing for me for like four or five years i think the shortest tenured writer is like about three years the most is about eight years like it's just you know (sighs) It's just getting to know people in the community and it's just kind of this self-selecting group where it's everyone just kind of knows everybody and is like, oh, this person would be great. Let me ask them. And turns out maybe they don't want to do it. That's cool too. And yeah. But like you're still friends. It's, it's a good friendly community and just able to talk to people just as a person. Like I'm very accessible and very open just as a habit. I talk about business stuff a lot and work stuff a lot, but since this is my job, but it's still like pens and paper in the end, but I'm not, you know, secretive. I don't hide things. You know, I don't, you know, try to big time anybody. Like I'm just (laughs) like anyone else in in the community. And I just want to spread that love and share, share this opportunities that I've had with other people. So it's, it's been pretty easy to um, have people write for me. It's interesting because I've, you know, other folks have mentioned about getting involved in, you know, the relay network or getting Mm -hmm. involved in something else, right? And a lot of it is 
you start making interesting things or you start mm -hmm. doing, you know, cool stuff and then people notice. And then next thing you know, you know, and it might take a year, it might take two yeah. or whatever, but like you're getting absorbed into some larger entity to do the thing that you were doing anyhow, right. that you love to do, or they've catalyzed you to go like kick off your own thing. And now you're, now you're doing this new and interesting thing that you're like, wait, I, I was just making fun stuff. Right. And now I'm, I'm doing this thing forever. So that's really cool. I didn't think it, it, it makes me think of like recruiting for, you know, job, the jobby job world where it's like, Oh, no wonder it's so, it's so bad, right? Like it's, mm -hmm. it's so terrible is because your, your interview process is a day, two days, four interviews. People don't know you. Nobody knows anybody. You're, you're doing the best you can. Yeah. But in this type of a situation, you really get to know people and you really kind of get to feel them out. And yeah, you know, as you said, they're part of the community and then they get they get moved into that role. Yeah. So that's, well, like, yeah, that's you, good. I mean, you've interviewed Quinn Rose. Her story is like one of the yep. best, right? She made stuff and sent it into the team and, you know, she edited the these songs together <laughs> and yes. stuff like that. And then all of a sudden now she's part of part of Relay and doing all this editing. And it's just it's just this cool story. And just like you mentioned it and I mentioned it before none of this stuff stuff comes fast. Like it's hard to go out yeah. and like search this stuff down. But when you're just kind of doing your thing, being who you are and, and kind of sharing that with other people, it, it, it goes, it spreads and it goes slow, but you know, it's not the fastest thing in the world, but it ends up being a better situation in the end, even though you may want it to come faster. Yeah. I, I had to, I had to get over that right mm -hmm. personally, because mm -hmm. it's like when I first started doing this show, I was like, okay, I want to do a weekly schedule. Like I'm excited. You know, it's like bam, bam, bam. And then I realized that with the number of children that I have mm -hmm. with my other work schedule and then with the fact that it just takes people time to get back to me yeah. and then get things set up and get organized it's like that's not the kind of show you're going to be able to make right. right like you're going to be able to make a show that says all right we're going to release in batches or if we can be more consistent we're going to be more consistent it's not going to be a weekly show and that and be okay with that and then when I let my brain do that I was like oh okay this is what talking to the internet can be and this is how it fits into my life and it's either going to fit in that way or I'm just going to stop it and I'm not going to do it anymore because it doesn't make sense to keep doing it. Right. And that that helped me out a ton, like mentally. Right, right. And as tough as it is, it did it did kind of come naturally. You you physically could not do it, right? Yes. And as much as you wanted to do it, there's limitations that we all have. I, I do a members podcast called Friend of the Show. And I set this really aggressive schedule for me and it just ended up getting too haywire to where like I couldn't meet that schedule. So I've kind of reset that, you know, communicate with the members that, hey, we're going to continue to do this, but the schedule is going to change a little bit. And just because I can't keep up with the, uh, you know, the extra work and it's part of like you're saying the scheduling, scheduling people, but you figure out, well, I still want to keep doing this. Like I can't not do this, but here's the new way that we're going to tackle this and that's going to be healthier for everybody. Yeah. What helps you keep keep going, right? So, I mean, you, you've got a busy week. You know, you're making yeah. a lot of different content or you're editing and helping other folks make a lot of really good content. What keeps you coming back week by week and saying, okay, this is exciting. I'm going to keep rolling. I'm going to keep rolling on, on this project. Yeah, I, I, I really love pens and stationery. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. It's kind of weird. <laughs> like, I, I just said it a second ago, but the, the phrase sticks a lot. And I, I've said it to, to Mike and I've said it on our show when people talk about me um, doing this. It's like, I can't not do this, right? It doesn't matter what mm -hmm. I'm doing. I'm still going to be doing this. And this is discovering pens that I like to use. And... 
on top of that, sharing that and talking about them with other people, right? Oh, did you see this new notebook or have you tried this new ink? And it's just a thing that's built into me so much and it has been since a very, very young age that I could not do it. I'm just lucky to be able to have turned it into a job. So that's what keeps me going is discovery and sharing and community. I'm like all of my friends, you know, I have friends like all over the world from this this podcast and this blog and this Twitch stream and things like that. I wouldn't change it for a thing. It's like, it's just really cool to, to meet people and share a love for a really interesting, you know, topic like stationary. It, it, mm-hmm. It's kind of wild. So that keeps me going. It's, it's really, really fun. All right. So I don't normally do this mm-hmm. with guests on this show, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. I want to know how to do a thing, right? Okay. And if you, if we get to the end of this and you're like, this needs to go, this is not part of the show. Get rid of this, Corey. I'll edit it out. That's fine. <laughs> but here's what I want to know. Okay. If you do giveaways sure. on, on, do you do it just on the blog? Do you do it mm-hmm. on the blog and the, in the, the yeah. podcast? Like, how do you do it? I do it everywhere. I get so much stuff. I just want to, to, to spread the love. So I have a blog giveaway that's every week on Tuesdays. I give away something, it's, you know, generally small. I do a monthly giveaway for Panatic members. And then on my Twitch streams, I always do giveaways. So that could be, I don't know, two to four things per week. So I say I give away five things a week. Yeah. So I do a bunch. Okay, so and this this is the part I don't normally get into, but sure. not many people do this, right? Mm-hmm. So I want to know what are the mechanics of doing a giveaway? Like what are the mechanics of running a giveaway that is fair to the people, mm-hmm. doesn't take your brain and make it go crazy, yeah. right? Like, oh, click on this, like this, retweet this, subscribe to this. And it's like, how do I, how do you keep track of all of that? <laughs> how do you keep track of the person who does all those things? That way you know the, the 17 people you can actually put in the raffle. So it's like, what are the mechanics of, of it? I have a lot of thoughts on this. You asked the right person. <laughs> okay, good, good. Thank you. Because it's not easy. I, I, I'm i in the stuff business, right? So I get a lot of stuff and I don't need all of the stuff. And I should share it with other people because I'm fortunate to get it. And there's nothing worse than having like a pen or a notebook that's sitting around the house that's not being used. So I started years and years and years ago just giving away things on the blog. And how it originally started... I, I, I just want to I just want to comment that that's how you know that you're crazy passionate about it uh-huh. is because the words you just said were, it's like a travesty for a pen to be sitting around <laughs> not being used. So I'm, I just want to call that out, right? Like that's how you know that you're, you're, you're in. It's, you're 100% in on this. It's facts. That's true. <laughs> um, okay, sorry. No, no, no. So it started out as like, well, I'll just put it on the blog and people will leave comments and then we'll just do random.org and pick whatever comment number it is. And, you know, that's hard because people, there's like double comments and it's just like a frustrating process. So I always tried to find different apps or different little programs to use and nothing was really great. So I don't know if if I can like totally promote an app on here, but it's free. I use an app called gleam.io. Gleam. Gleam. G-L-E-A-M. Gleam.io. And what they do is basically build a little widget for each giveaway. So for all the blog giveaways, that's how I do them because I get too many entries to like look at comments, manage comments, dump them all into a spreadsheet, figure out a randomizer and do this. So that tool actually helps me and it's free. I've never used one of their paid plans because I just do really simple stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't like making people jump through hoops yeah, to yeah. do the thing. So you can enter my blog giveaways. You don't have to like like, share, subscribe or any of that, but you can get extra entries if you do want to do that stuff. So you don't have to do it to enter ever. 
that's why I've never done Instagram giveaways because that seems like a nightmare because I don't care if I don't care to require people to follow me or share tag their two friends or I'm not going to put people out in that kind of way. Mm -hmm. So I just let people use this, click the buttons if they want to click extra things to like go see my Twitch channel or whatever. Like some people don't know what Twitch is, so I'll use that, but it's not a requirement. Um, so that's for the blog. And then at the end, it just it just picks the winner for me automatically. So Gleam manages the whole back end. Yep. Yep. So that's just for the blog giveaways. Everything else is more manual. Since the member giveaways are only monthly, I do just ask people to put their name in, in a spreadsheet. If they're interested in this giveaway, then I'll just go to random.org, pick a number for that one. And then the Twitch giveaways, you just have like a chat bot that'll do giveaways and people just type in a certain command and then... That one's a little bit more manual because then I'll just have to like tag the products that I give away. Yeah. Say like today, today's stream, I gave away a bottle of ink to one person and a notebook to one person. You know, they have a little name tag on there that I'll take to my shipping department since I ship a lot of products and I'll have their email address and uh, ship them out. So yeah, I ship a lot of things. <laughs> it's something that I've always been like, okay, this just seems like a whole lot of work and it's good and I see the value in it, but it's like, man, that seems like a whole lot of work. If it wasn't this easy, I wouldn't do as much, which is sad to say because like I like giving away free stuff. But yeah, if, yeah. if I didn't have these few things set up, like just doing like comment giveaways, it's it's shockingly time consuming and difficult. Uh, okay, so, so moving into that shipping thing, right? Mm -hmm. So when did not company, mm -hmm. right? Or mm -hmm. NACO yeah. and spoke. When when did these two things come into the fold? And I still see those as a mechanism to talk to the internet mm -hmm. because now you're talking via a physical product because you don't have a store, right? Like there's no storefront. Right. Right. Like that's a NACO or a uh, spoke storefront, right. right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So NOC started in 2014, I think. Uh, or late, maybe late 2013. I always get that date confused. But uh, we started as Kickstarter. So me and my knock partner, uh, Jeff, you know, had a case design. We took it to Kickstarter. You know, we worked together on making that design. It went really well. And we decided that, hey, I think this is a business. So we just ended up, you know, starting our own business as Knock. Now, as we're recording this, I'm actually winding Knock down. It's kind of run mm -hmm. its life, which is okay. Like, I'm completely fine with that. And I'm very, very happy with what we did for Knock. But it is winding down. Okay. But it's been a really great experience to get down in the trenches, design your own products, make them yourself, figure out how to get them made when you grew enough that you couldn't keep up and how to manage everything in between and, you know, getting it out there to your customers and handling customer service and, and learning all these things. It was a really, really great experience. It's like actually it's been one of the highlights of my career to be, if I'm being perfectly honest. Mm -hmm. And Spoke came along two years ago for me, I think. So Spoke existed um, with my now partner, Brian. He started a Kickstarter making mechanical pencils. And I think on his, like, his second Kickstarter, he made this pencil that really, really struck a nerve with me. And I reached out to him and we started talking together about making a, a good nerve, or a, a, a good nerve. nerve, a good nerve. Okay, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. yeah. Maybe that's the wrong word, <laughs> but like it really, it really hit something in me is like, wow, this is a great design. And we started talking and we made a pen to kind of go along with like the ideas that Brian had for designing his original pencil. And we've turned that into now like a fountain pen line, more pens, you know, different kind of, of portable pens and, 
and we have we have a lot planned for spoke in the in the future like we have these modular pin designs where you can like mix, mix and match some of the colors of your barrel to really customize it for you and we do we do some neat things that uh not a lot of other companies do and i'm i'm really happy with the, the creations that we have so far so yeah that's been like two years of that and then uh knock will have been what about seven years or so it mm-hmm. it's time frame that it ran so it'll we'll be wrapping that up um I don't know, first half of next year, uh, Knock will actually probably shut down. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was good. What's it like to do Kickstarters, right? Because we haven't, I haven't had a lot of people on the on the show that have run a successful Kickstarter, and it sounds like how many have you done? How many have I done? So we've done three Knock Kickstarters, one spoke Kickstarter, and then we've done like four or five Kickstarters for the Pen Attic podcast, Mike and I. So Mike, as you know, lives in London and I am here in the US. So it was years where we had never met in person. We'd recorded 100 episodes of the show and never met in person. <laughs> so we started a Kickstarter for travel expenses where we made like not co-cases. So we have did like five of those where once a year our followers would, would support us, get something cool made uh, and that would help us fund travel to go to pen shows yeah. and do live shows. So we've done like five. So I've probably done, what, seven or eight Kickstarters then. Um, it's tough. It's anxiety riddled. Okay, okay. <laughs> You're just like, I think I've done all the things. I think I've smashed all the correct buttons, but you didn't. And there's something you're going to miss and it's going to keep you up at night. And the time frames for the projects are always tough. It's like 30 days of just white knuckle. <laughs> like yeah, hopefully yeah. nothing goes wrong today. And fortunately all of our, none of, nothing ever went wrong with ours you like you hear horror stories luckily we were not in that we're not in that book <laughs> but it's 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 tough so yeah and i've, I've helped other people like with kickstarters because they've they've seen us do some i i will do less and less as the years go by just because it really like there's some good value in there but it really takes a lot out of you to to do the type of things that we do just from a production and a manufacturing and a timeline and a shipping thing. You know, when you're getting into like you're turning on a Kickstarter and you're booking yourself into like a year long timeline that it, it's, it's pretty tough to, to just kind of wrap your head around everything that's actually required to get that done. But like, I've enjoyed them all and they've all been successful and we've run good campaigns and, you know, I've heard people, you know, praise how we run our campaigns, you know, with the communication and problem solving and things like yeah. that. So that always makes me happy, but it, it's, it's a tough gig to be honest. So, so if you had to highlight what's your, what's the value that you got mm-hmm. out of them, right? Like you've done enough of them that you're obviously yeah. getting something out of it and you admitted that. What are you getting out of it? Uh, knock, we got confirmation that our product was a good one, right? Like that's the best thing you can ever get okay. from a Kickstarter okay. is that your idea is business viable, right? Did we do the right thing? Did we answer the question correctly that people are asking in, you know, what is this thing? How do I use it? Is it the right price? Do we believe in the manufacturing? Do we believe in the story? And being able to see that play out almost in real time. Because Knock didn't exist at all before the Kickstarter. Like the first products we sold were through our Kickstarter. It wasn't even an online store. Okay. So having that helped us make the decision to say, hey, this is a business now. Where, you know, in later um, versions of not Kickstarter campaigns, they became, hey, we want to try this new product design. Is this product viable? Not is this business as a whole viable, right? So we were asking two different questions at the time. 
So, um, you know, that's, that's kind of how that works out. Like it's a good, it's a good barometer to see whether you have like a really good idea, a just okay idea or a bad idea, right? It helps you with that. And like all of those answers are good. You're okay. If all you had to invest in was getting a Kickstarter launch and it failed, that probably saved you. That's probably a good thing, right? So like there's no real bad outcomes yeah, yeah. In, unless you like succeed and then fail your customers afterwards like that's that's a whole different podcast yeah exactly exactly all right so here we go are you ready for the unlightning round i'm ready i'm ready all right now so just in case you're you're unaware this is the round that i started with as the lightning round because i wanted it to be fast and rapid fire and people were really bad at it so we made it the, <laughs> made it the unlightning round and now you have as much time as you want to answer all okay. the questions okay so the first question i have for you is if you had to pick one medium or media, or however you would say that, to make content in, right? You can either blog, or you can podcast, or you can Twitch stream or do video, like live video. Which one are you picking? You're only allowed to pick one of them. Wow, that's brutal. I was actually thinking about this question um, and and never came to a, a real answer. So let's see if I can do it un- under pressure here. I I think it would be podcast if I was being honest with myself. I love the writing aspect of it and the way that that information is accessible all the time and very mm-hmm. easily searchable, right? Like it's really good to have what do I think is the best way to tell people about the things that I like or the things that I do. I think it's in the podcast format. It's still not that accessible despite all the millions of podcasts out there i still think people are confused a little bit about it so i would still like to see some growth there as far as podcasts go but like as just like what's the thing i think i would say podcast just because it allows for much more context than the written word nice even more so than twitch which is visual it's kind of like the combination of the written and the podcast but i don't know something about a regularly scheduled podcast of information um i think works really really well awesome all right so i put you on a space shuttle and I take you to Mars, and you're on the first human mission to Mars, you're only allowed to take one thing to read, listen to, or watch. Now, it can be like a series, right? So you could take, you know, the entire trilogy of a movie or something like that, right? But that's the only thing you're allowed to have. What are you taking? So not one of each of those things, but just one of any of the things, like one book. Yes. You're allowed to have one book mm. or one book series. You're allowed to have one movie series, but okay. you can't have a book and a movie series. Gotcha. It's only okay. one. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, let's see. I think I'm going to take music and I think, man, it's down to two. Let's see. So I, I eliminated book and movie pretty quickly. So it's music because I'm a, I'm a big music fan. Oh boy, I'm gonna are take. You deba- are you debating bands right now? Is that what you're? Yeah, debating? I'm debating okay. two different albums from two different bands, and I'm gonna take. Uh, I'm gonna take Southern Rock Opera by the Drive By Truckers. Interesting, interesting. Mm. I you know I don't know a lot of people that know the Drive By Truckers, so that's great, yeah. right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's why it's probably one of I mean my top two or three favorite bands. It's probably it's if they're not my favorite band, they're the band I listen to the most. So, yeah, and it's a really interesting album that I, it's, God, 20-something, 20, 20 years old, maybe, not quite, and I still get something out of it, like, on current lessons. So, yeah, you know, you want something that resonates pretty well. What's the one that you hide in your 
your colleague's bag, right? What was the other album? Oh, I was going to pick... Um, <laughs> I was going to pick uh, Neutral Milk Hotel uh, in the airplane over the sea. And that's the that's the pretentious pitchforky uh, answer, right? It's like this this really kind of underground indie album that got lauded as one of the greatest albums ever created. And it's true, but it's almost like jump the shark in just like the pretentious <laughs> the pretentiousness of it so i don't think i think i would be more content with the the first album okay. long term that even though the the second one might technically be a greater album <laughs> okay. that makes sense yep all right so i think i might know where you're gonna go with this one but let's right. see if you prove me wrong uh, what's your favorite thing to consume on the internet right now uh, yeah i mean it it's it's music pretty much Okay. Um, if we're counting like streaming and videos and things like yeah. that, I try not, I don't read too much online, but I like to read books. So that's kind of more of an offline thing for me. I don't do a lot of movies or TV, although I have been gone on some binges here of late, but as just far as like all day, every day, even though it's not, not the pen stuff, like the pen stuff I just do naturally. So outside of the pen stuff, it's, I think, music by a pretty good margin. Like I keep like lists of albums that I want to listen to and, you know, lists of bands I want to check out when I hear other people talking about things that I haven't heard. Like I write them down in this notebook and like, I just have, you know, hundreds of things. I just open up this list and pick a thing and go listen to it. So that's probably my, like my most online content. Awesome. All right. So the next one, who is an up and coming content creator that we should all check out? Ooh, boy. Wow. That's a good question. And they have to be, they have to be up and coming. So yeah, that's the hard part, right? Yeah, they can't be established. Mm. Let's see. See, it's so there's people like in my community, like the stationary community, I feel like a lot of them are established in, within the community, but like in a broader scope, um, I think so my friend Jacob goes by food, a fan on Instagram. So it's at food, a fan, F U D E F A N. And he is part of a podcast with another friend called CY called the Tokyo Inklings podcast. And they're, okay. like, they're very popular in our community. Right. And that's like a really, really great podcast and they make really good content. But Jacob's photography and storytelling ability and podcast ability, I think think is still he's been doing this for a couple of years and i think it's i think i see like a lot of growth possibilities there right like okay. i can see jacob like continuing to really lean into this even more so so i would say like in our community he's established right but yes. like in the broader sense of things i think we'll continue to see his voice more more and more throughout different stationary realms like crossing a lot of genres and, and things like that is kind of the way i look at it Nice. All right. So last one. What is the hardest thing about making a physical product or good? <laughs> Manufacturing. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's a quote I use all the time. It's not new or novel, but I always say manufacturing is hard. Um, <laughs> just like that's the, it's the go-to, like nothing ever runs on time, you know, whether it's a shipment delayed, like in take knock, for example, we went from a stage where we were making our own cases to outsourcing them to another factory here in the U S and just when we're making our cases, if we got the wrong color thread, we're like stuck for like three days until we can like overnight the next color thread while 
you have this weight on you from the customers that are waiting on the product. Mm -hmm. So like just manufacturing is hard. I don't mind the creative process. I don't mind the shipping process. I don't mind the manufacturing process, but that's where all the hangups happen, right? It just takes one tiny insignificant thing to delay a big project. And it, they just tend to build upon themselves the small delays turn into big ones because it just train wrecks into this whole mess so like just manufacturing is hard <laughs> about making yeah, stuff yeah. we can have ideas all day long and we can execute on the back end once the product is made like really really well and we can do promotion and marketing and advertising and all that stuff but manu manufacturing is is it's tough and uh i i say that all the time manufacturing is hard yeah, I, I teach my my students, so I teach uh, industrial and system engineering primarily. But mm -hmm. um, you know, and one of the things we have is we have a systems class, right? So mm -hmm. we introduce them to delays there and like how delays compound on each other yep. and you know like system dynamics type stuff. Yep. And then the other one is a manufacturing systems class to where like okay, let's talk about you know how the max speed a factory can work. And it's like, well, where's the lag? And it's like, oh, it's that one machine that sits right over there. <laughs> or it's the fact that we didn't get those, you know, those raw materials that we needed. And now everything waits for those raw materials. And it's, yep. you know, so it, it's funny to hear you say that it's, <laughs> it's definitely, you know, manufacturing is hard. Yes, it is. Also too, when you're having to think about manufacturing, you realize how insignificant your role, role is at the position that we are in the scale, like making a pin case. Yes. What is most important to us is not really cared about by the people further up the manufacturing chain. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like this whole, it's, it's very difficult. Yes. Okay. So wonderful. Congratulations. You survived the unlightning round. <laughs> All right. You did a great, did a great job. So <laughs> Brad, if you're going to point people to find out more information about you and what you do, where are you pointing them to? Pinaddict.com is the best place. I have everything else linked off there. Twitter, Instagram for social media, um, Spoke Design and Notco to go to those shops, the Twitch channel, the podcast. It's all linked off of pinaddict.com. You'll see it as soon as you arrive. Fantastic. And I'm there right now and I see that there is a link or there's a, a menu item for the top five pens. Mm -hmm. I have mm -hmm. I had scrolled through that and I really am not a pen person, mm -hmm. but what I'll tell you is this is fascinating, right? Like the fact that there are many different kinds of pens and there are many mm -hmm. different kinds of stores and then you give me price ranges, which I need because I don't <laughs> want to buy a $500 pen, right? That, right. that sounds, that sounds crazy town to yep. me. Um, but Joe, check it out. He's got a lot of cool stuff there. So Brad, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for, you know, talking to the internet. Wow. About how you talk to the internet. Um, it's been, a, it's been a pleasure having you. Hey, thanks so much, Corey. I really appreciate it. Enjoyed it. All right. Now, if you want to find out more about Talking to the Internet, you can follow us at, at TTTI Podcast, or you can check us out on TalkingToTheInternet.com. So thanks, y'all. Thanks for learning with us today, uh, and have a good one. <laughs>